today on the Dental Experience Podcast. You had a desire to uh, disrupt a $40 billion industry. I'm a very lucky person. I met two guys who were mixing product in their bathroom out in San Francisco. The average woman was ingesting about five pounds of petrochemicals. The more positive stuff I put out there, the more positive comes back. And a whole litany of experiences that have shaped you to be who you are today. No one has sold dominion over good ideas. Raise the bar a little bit. This. this is the Dental Experience Podcast. Here's your host, Ryan Vett. Welcome to another episode of the Dental Experience Podcast. I'm really excited to have with me today a special guest, Craig Dubitsky. Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm fired up. Yeah, me too. I met Craig, and we were just talking about this uh, before we started the recording. We don't know when, but we remember where very clearly. It was at Elon University. Craig was speaking. I'm on the uh, advisory board there for the Doherty Center for Entrepreneurial Leadership, which is their business school's entrepreneurship department. And we had Craig come in just to talk about creativity and, and leadership because Craig truly is one of the most innovative leaders, not just in the way he creates products, but in the way he creates environments and experiences for his team, for the people he interacts with, but for the end users of his products. You might know Craig by the egg-shaped EOS lip balm that many of you might have had or, or use, and it just feels good to hold. Craig is the mastermind behind that, and I, I would love for him to just share a little bit about his journey through through business, through branding, through creating experiences through his products, and then we'll get into some to some fun stories. Wow. All right. What a lead up. Um, so yeah, EOS, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm a very lucky person. I'm the luckiest person you, you've ever introduced on your podcast. Um, just cause I'm, I'm really lucky in general. And I feel like the more positive stuff I put out there, the more positive comes back. And that's how I kind of sustain this luck. And my good fortune led me to meet all sorts of really cool people along the way. So I have to give some shout outs to folks. Um, I always loved as a kid, the idea of creating things and not just in an artistic sense. Like I, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life before I ever knew what that word meant. So I won't <laughs> bore you with my whole life story, but just an example, when I was a kid, I had a lemonade stand, but my lemonade stand had a car wash because why would you just have a lemonade stand? Like if I had you captive, because I was washing your car and charging you more, I could also then upsell you on lemonade. Like, how cool is that? That is, I did the same thing, Craig. That is hilarious. See? Like mines, yep. like mines. And so it, there you yeah, go. And it worked out, right? It did. Yeah. yeah, you have them captive, and I ended up adding uh, smoothies too, and that really got them because you could upcharge for oh, those. See. Yeah, you're well. You know, now if I would go back in time, I'd have like a massage station, mani pedi there station. You go. A clearly you you know, a dental hygiene station, but that's maybe two of all, but that's a good segue. So I, <laughs> I've always been obsessed with trying to make things a little bit more uh, interesting or, or better with, with anything. And um, really speeding up the story, I got involved with products and brand and CPG uh, sort of a, at a later time in my, in my, I'll use this word with air quotes around a career. I never really thought so much about having a career or, or even talking about a career, but I, I started out not in CPG and design, even though that was always a deep love for me. I was a trader and a derivatives trader. I hated it. Um, all my friends were writers and musicians and artists, and I always found that much more interesting. So fast forward, and again, I'll skip over lots of stuff I've messed around with in the past. 
I, I met two guys who were mixing product in their bathroom out in San Francisco, and they're the original two founders of Method, which is a household cleaning products company. So I was very fortunate to meet them very early. I had started a company. It was acquired. My old CFO said, you got to meet this young guy. He likes all the same stuff you do, brand and culture and design. And he has some idea. I don't even know what it is, but you know, like you guys just going to get along. And by the way, that's the other thing that always happens to me. Someone says, you have to meet somebody. And I say, yeah, yes. And magic ensues. So fast forward, I meet these uh, fellows and they started Method. And I thought there was a really... I didn't have the idea for method. It was a hundred percent their idea, but my good fortune was just meeting them early and, um, and appreciating that there was a really big idea. And, and to sum up the big idea as simply as possible, um, a home is the biggest thing most people purchase and the stuff that used to take care of it is so ugly. Typically they have to hide it away. And so toxic, you got to lock it up. That was kind of like the core of the idea and it, and it made my head explode. I just thought that was the most brilliant thing I'd ever heard. And I just sort of connected with the founders early and again, that was lucky and, uh, and felt there was a big idea there. So, and was in a position where I could help with certain things from capital to, uh, helping build out the supply chain capabilities of the company. So method became method, which was great. And, uh, I, I started a company to go start other companies and brands years later and EOS came of that. And EOS really came from a couple of different places uh, for me, but one was that men had seemingly infinite choice when it came to their hair removal needs, right? If you want to spend 99 cents on a shaving cream or a hundred dollars on a shaving cream, believe it or not, there's a myriad of choices in between and a woman had like nothing. She had a man's product that was in a metal can, a steel can that they put flowers on and said, Oh, this is now a women's shaving cream. Isn't that great? Right. And I right. thought, well, that's really pretty lame. And the cans were not able to be recycled and they left rust rings in your shower and had all sorts of really horrific copy on them. So the first thing with EOS was I made a shave cream and then I made a lip balm. And the genesis, really the lip balm, at least part of the genesis, was um, the, the basically every woman I saw in New York at the time uh, seemed to have a, a purse that was doubling or tripling or quadrupling in terms of its, its function, uh, not just being a purse. It was a gym bag, a diaper bag, a yoga bag, a computer bag, an overnight bag. And like you couldn't find anything in these cavernous purses. In fact, there was one purse in particular, the Longchamp purse that was very popular and still actually is very popular. And I think this purse gave rise to the idea that your flash on the back of your smartphone for your camera could actually be used as a flashlight um, because you needed it to find things in this cavernous black hole of a purse. So I thought, you know, lip balms were pretty crappy. And the, the big thing to me, and, and I know that's probably not a, a very friendly way of putting it, but the average woman was ingesting about five pounds of petrochemicals just from her lip product. So I thought that was crazy. Yeah. And I thought, well, what if we made this thing that was certified organic and 100% natural and, and literally was findable just by touch, just, just through a sense of touch? So in your cavernous purse, you could stick your hand in there and not pull out a small cylindrical object that you might have thought was a lip balm, but turns out it was a tampon. Like that would be horrific, right? So to have this 
form that you could just literally feel and know, up, oh, that's it. And also make it, you know, again, organic, natural, yes, but um, make it pretty enough to be display worthy, something you want to touch and engage with and interact with and get some kind of emotional response from and through. And, um, you know, people write their narratives through their things and through the experiences that they tell people about or share, certainly over social media and through other forms of expression. So if everything communicates, I want to be hyper thoughtful about like basically everything <laughs> so that people can touch it, feel it, sense it, use it. Um, you know, utility is key. Efficacy is key. And that's always important, right? Safety and efficacy, but it's the softer bits that for me, uh, sort of take, take that to another plane. And I think a higher plane that, uh, I think it makes just people incredible. smile. Yeah. I think it's just incredible. The amount of thought that you put in to, okay, how is someone going to reach for this in their bag? How is it going to feel in their hand? <laughs> How is it going to affect their their body? What are they actually ingesting? And you don't often think of what you're ingesting by putting on on lip balm. And, no, and I just I'm love. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just love that attention to detail. I think that's so important, especially no matter what you're doing, but especially in the dental office. I mean, there's so many things to see, smell, touch, and hear, and many people don't pay attention to that. And when the average individual walks into the dental office, they're often overwhelmed by the smell of that rubber gloves and alcohol and you know they have to touch those nasty pens to sign in that everyone else has touched and the front that's, desk that's right. person's chewing on the back of them and and, and, and so all I these senses it. are heightened everything you're describing is 100 percent right and and i think for patients their their sensitivity their sensitivities and their sensibilities are all in this very sort of fragile state because typically um, there's fear of the unknown involved, right? They're not sure if they're going in for something very basic. They don't know if it's a checkup, like, well, what's the outcome going to be? It could be something bad. There's a lot of fear. Um, and fear tends to, again, like put people in a, in a different kind of state, obviously, but, but beyond the emotional bit, just like the sensory bit of fear, like everything's heightened and you're absolutely right. Like the pen, the, what is the office? What's the fragrance in the office? Most people feel lucky if there's a fish tank in the office and some seemingly right. Zen-like music playing, like that's how low the bar is. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't take much to make a, an experience worth sharing for sure yeah. in the dental office. Yeah. And it has so, to go beyond the scent and, you know, a fish tank. <laughs> right. It has to go with team and culture and everything else, which I know you, you focus a lot on. But before we get to that, I think that's very important. You So you saw this problem with lip balm and you solved the problem and you figured out a way to be innovative, creative, and just create an extraordinary user experience. And then you went about your life and you found out you had a desire to disrupt a $40 billion industry and figure out how to make oral health care a little bit friendlier, I think is how I've seen it described. Do you mind kind of talking about where you are today? And what you're doing now, because I think not only is your your whole journey about team and culture relevant to our listeners, but I think particularly the current products you're you're working on are exceptionally relevant. Well, well, thank you. Um, so first, the first thing I have to say is, while I'm lucky enough to be here with you talking about this stuff, I wouldn't be able to do any of that if it weren't for the team. 
and I know that sounds like a gratuitous kind of comment, but I don't mean it to be a, gratu- a gratuitous comment. It is a very genuine, very top of mind thing for me. Um, we're a very tight knit group and we really support each other and the level of, I'm going to use a word that isn't often used, um, the love that's here mm-hmm. for each other. Uh, and the respect that comes with having that kind of emotional tie to people here is what makes us, I think, uh, able to, to do some really, really special things in the, in the, in the market. And so in terms of creating product and in terms of creating an environment, the word you're, you're, you're using, um, where people want to join what we're doing, not come to work. They want to be a part of something, you know, joining it versus working at it or on it. That's, they're very different things. So again, I can't stress enough that it's it's it is a team effort. So, um, so yay, yeah, big shout out your, to the team if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, what are some of your biggest leadership advice? Would you say to creating a culture in that team that really facilitates an environment? Uh, to use the word you used, love. Yeah. I, what are some um, of your pointers? Well, I think the the biggest thing is is being a good listener. That's the first thing, and also knowing that while if if the people listening are uh, in some kind of role where they're able to affect change, just know that you need, it, it takes more than one person to affect change. And here, I like to always say no one has sole dominion over good ideas. That's the way I look at it. And yes, I'm the founder and I have this idea about hello, and I'm happy to talk all about that. But it's really been through the work and support and thoughtfulness of the rest of the team and how we work together that we can take an idea and turn it into a, a reality that is, you know, efficacious and safe and delightful and affordable. Like that's, that was all part of the dream, but it's, you know, there are a lot of people touching it. I say a lot, we're very small in terms of people, but um, it wasn't just like I have this idea and I'm the only person and that's the way it goes. So if you're going to be a good leader, I think part of the magic is um, basically creating an environment where the smartest, best, coolest people can do their smartest, coolest, best work. Cause then it's not work for them. They're in a place where they get to shine. And if you're a leader and you're not letting people shine, then you're making a big mistake. And if you're not listening to people, like we could have a, a crazy idea and someone from supply chain could say, wait, this is how we're going to do it and it's going to work. Or we, or the greatest marketing idea or social media idea can come from somebody in finance. If we were so siloed that we said, nope, there's no one in that department, and I use that word loosely, who can be additive in this other department, then we're making a big mistake. It, you know, it's, 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 it's a lost opportunity because so many people have so many great inputs and networks and experiences. And if we don't enable them to participate in a way that's fun and exciting and meaningful, meaningful defined in this case as great ideas being allowed to blossom and come to life, then shame on us. Like we're not, we're not uh, a extracting the most value out of them, but it's not just value in a monetary sense. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real emotional value and real emotional contribution that, oh yeah, at the end of the day leads to financial success. Yes, it's important. We're a company and we're supporting lives here, but we're supporting lives, not just through, you know, salary, payroll, we're supporting lives because, you know, it's a, it's a 360 degree 
kind of thing here. It's it's Absolutely. it's emotional, not just financial. Um, I think it's so good. It comes down to the product. Yeah, I think it's so good how you you said you said two things that I want to just reiterate. First of all, this idea of letting everyone shine, but to build on that, you also said everyone has unique experiences. And so often I think people get pigeonholed into their role because their marketing, their finance, their sales, whatever their role might be and in the dental office, they're the hygienist, they're the assistant, they're the doctor that you don't realize no matter what your title is, you come from a background and a whole litany of experiences that have shaped you to be who you are today. And understanding that and realizing that can totally, and putting that into a practice or putting that into a product or a brand can totally transform that brand into something that just lives and, to use your word again, shines. It it just really shines. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, everything communicates. So even just the way people are greeted at the, you know, the front of house, right? (laughs) Think Think of that expression, front of house. That's used in restaurants and hotels. Think of the the most important word there is house. Like it's not an office. This is where you spend a lot of your living waking moments, right? It's like, how do you turn your office into more of a warm place where people feel truly welcome or made to feel special? Not like a patient, like, you know, you're a number, you got a file. I can't tell you how many offices I go into and there's just a giant wall of files with color coding systems on them. Like that's one of the first things you see other than the, you know, the, the dirty pen. Um, right. I think for some people that's like a trophy wall. I guess, I guess. Yeah. Look at all the pictures. Like up front, like, Um, I I don't know, but I haven't seen manila folders as decorations in anything modern recently. Not so much, even though I'm sure there's some lovely, lovely new folder designs out there and wonderful colors and coding systems and post-it notes. And that's all beautiful. But are there other things that could, again, just like raise the bar a little bit? Because again, it's pretty low and it doesn't take a lot <laughs> to, to you know make somebody right. smile. And so you've definitely raised the bar, not only with your team, not only with products in the past, but apparently you go out and you go to the West Coast to pick mint. Could you tell everybody a little bit about that and how your shoes permanently smell like yes. mint? Yeah, so if anyone sees me... Um, you don't feel the need to come smell my shoes, but I can tell you my shoes definitely smell of mint. We were just out in the lovely, 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 insanely gorgeous Willamette Valley in Oregon, um, which is where our mint comes from. And Excellent Pinot Noirs come from there too, for the record. Yes. Well, it's a magical, it's a magical place. And we're out there swathing our mint. Swathing is what's called when you literally are like, in a big tractor and you, the weather gets really warm, which is what you want in the ideal picking conditions for your mint. And the oils start to rise uh, mm. to like the surface and you then cut the mint. Um, so we're out there doing that. And my shoes literally, cause we literally, no joke, were frolicking through the fields of mint. I mean, you know, I, I, I jokingly said that I was the men's freestyle frolicker in high school. So it was nice <laughs> to, you know, champion. So it was nice to come back to my roots as a, you know, as a, uh, uh, competitive frolicker, but yeah, we were literally frolicking through these fields of mint and it's powerful and gorgeous. And for us, it was important to go during the harvest cause we wanted to, like, we want to see it. And the coolest thing about it, apart from the wonderful environment and the fact that they do have great, you know, wines up there, um, for sure was our, 
this, this one of the particular farmers we got to spend a lot of time with, she's a fourth generation farmer. We're on yeah. her land. Like she's a young woman. It's her, it's her land. And to meet the people that are really growing the ingredients that are going in your products that are going out to store shelves and, and, you know, online and getting to people's mouths, their hands, their bathrooms into their children's mouths is the coolest thing ever. I mean, it's amazing. It's really amazing. So yes, my, my shoes do reek. I put them through the wash actually twice now and, um, they look a little cleaner, but they smell still of a fabulous, uh, Oregon mint, which is, you know, tough to beat. Yeah, it could be worse. It could be worse. Is it spearmint or wintermint or what? It's peppermint. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, yes, uh, there, there's straight up mint and, and peppermint. Yeah. Peppermint. Got so it. I like to say I, I like rub my shoes behind each ear, you know, to start my day and, uh, you know, give other people a nice wafting effect when I walk by. You smell so minty fresh. Go. It's just my shoes. There you go. Well, I would say most people probably don't go out to the fields. Most people in your position where you have, you're running an organization, you're running a brand, don't go out to the fields where their resources are growing, probably partially because some of their resources aren't actually grown. They're probably in test tubes. There's um, that. <laughs> do you mind sharing a little bit about uh, where you are today, what you're doing? Um, we've talked a lot about your current team, your current natural resources. Now let's talk about, you know, what you created, the problem you saw first. Let's start there and how you want to go about solving the problem. Sure. Well, I, I, I looked at oral care literally, I think through the eyes of just, and I hate to use this word, the C word, but as a consumer and the way it hit me was, of course, I've had a a litany of of brands in my life related to oral care as a consuming person. Um, And of course I've had my share of dental experiences, most of them very, very good for sure. I've been very lucky but the category really left me kind of flat. And what I mean by that is there was nothing in there that there was nothing happening for me that made me smile literally, figuratively. Um, not, it just seemed very sort of soul sapping. And what I mean by that is this is how it happened. I was walking through a pharmacy and I, I don't remember if I needed toothpaste or I just was walking past the toothpaste. But what jumped out at me was pictures of extracted teeth on all the products I was looking at. And I thought, an extracted tooth. And I thought about my dentist's business card, which also had an extracted tooth on it. And the sign outside the practice had an extracted tooth. And I thought, the last thing I ever want to see is an extracted tooth. Like, how did that become the global icon for good oral health? Even like a hologram of an extracted tooth and a perfectly artistically rendered, beautiful, shiny, happy looking tooth with its roots exposed. Like, that's just the last thing I'd ever want to see is an extracted tooth. I thought I used this stuff so that I don't have to have any teeth extracted. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. So... I, and in that particular moment, like this thunderbolt just sort of hit me. And again, I'm a, I'm a guy who's obsessed with form and function and fit and design and culture and storytelling and stuff. But it was like this lightning bolt of this extracted tooth that just like hit me upside the head, like a two by four, the railroad spike in it. And <laughs> I went like, what the, you know, I don't want to curse, but you know, you can imagine 
it just kind of hit me. And I picked up a box of paste and I'm not a chemist. And even as a non-chemist, I looked at ingredients that made me scratch my head. So I was like, wait, saccharin, that's an artificial sweetener. Like they vanquished that from diet sodas years ago. Like, why is that? I never knew that was that's in still on our this base. product. Yeah. And in mouthwashes. And then I looked and I saw this other ingredient that really I didn't know a whole lot about. And I was like, what is this? Wait, why do I know that ingredient? Oh, that's right. The FDA banned that from hand soap. Like, why is that in toothpaste? Wow. And I, you know, and I literally was standing in the store and I, you know, I Googled this one ingredient and I was like, my head was spinning. I was like, wait, you can't wash your hands with this, but you could put this in your mouth. And I know people are going to say, well, it's safe and it's tested. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, I don't, I don't feel the need to put something in my mouth that has been banned from a topical application. Like that just didn't make any sense to me. And I just started thinking about the way I'd been sold on these products before and everything stemmed from fear and shame. And a lot of the fear also was around the dentist. And I was lucky to have like good experiences with my dentists. And I felt like that didn't just, it just didn't seem fair. You know, like if you don't use this stuff, if you're not, if you're not whitening, you're frightening. That's like a whole nother fear thing right? That's just superficial and kind of sad. And, you know, that's a whole nother part of the game. Um, and, you know, shame, right? Like you're not going to smile. Like if you're not, you know, if you're not smiling so bright that people need sunglasses, then, you know, there's a, there's a problem. There's with no you. Reason to smile, yeah. But there was this whole other thing going on that like, if you don't use this stuff, the dentist is going to drill, fill and bill you. And it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt you physically. It's going to hurt you you know, financially, it's going to hurt you emotionally in ways you haven't even figured out yet. And, you know, I, I like to rhyme. I think I'm a frustrated uh, songwriter slash very bad poet and very bad songwriter, by the way. Um, but it's like, you know, you're not going to get paid and you're not going to get laid. Like you're not going to look pretty and no one's going to want to kiss you. And the job interview isn't going to go well. You're not going to get the promotion because, you, you know, your teeth aren't going to look right. And I just thought that's really kind of a shame. And I'd like to think that a modern human being has a set of sensibilities now that are a little bit more evolved than that. But, you know, the big companies were still playing the same story over and over and over and drilling into people's heads. And I shouldn't use the word drill, I guess. But, you know, they were, they were just incessantly over decades, uh, you know, using the same narrative. So I thought all of this seems very not cool to me. And I thought, well, what's the friendliest word I could think of? Because nothing seemed friendly. Everything, again, was revolving around fear and shame and a whole lot of masculinity. Like your job was to kill and eliminate and destroy everything in your mouth. Odors, germs, bacteria, like all that seemed very aggressive, bellicose, masculine, just like, you know, not cool. So I thought, what's the friendliest word I could think of? Because the category didn't seem particularly friendly to me. And it was hello. And I trademarked the word hello all over the world in all these different categories. Because believe mm. it or not, no one had done it. <laughs> That's crazy. So I did it. And the first person I started working with was a formulator because I wanted to create something that was as natural as we could make it. And obviously, it had to be really effective. And I stress the efficacy because if we made shampoo, and I'm thinking of this because I'm – 
in Montclair, New Jersey, which is where I base the company because I live here and it's a really funky town. And um, it's very hot today. It's probably the last really hot day of the year, I hope. And, um, you know, it's really hot, like schools closed early or, or closing early because it's just so hot for the kids. So oh, wow. it's really hot. Yeah, it's like oppressively hot. And I'm thinking of that because, you know, if, if we made shampoo and you had a bad hair day because it's, you know, 94 and, you know, 99% humidity or something, eh, you know, you have a bad hair day. Like it's no big deal. If right. it's a hair day, if, if, if you have a bad tooth day, you're in big trouble. Like it's going to hurt. It's, it could lead to all sorts of other systemic issues. It's, it's a much bigger problem. So it has, so for us creating an oral care product or set of products, we had to make sure that effective products were the most important thing, safe and effective, can't stress it enough, but, or not, but, and it's really an and, um, on top of that, the idea was this stuff goes in your mouth and in your kid's mouth. It should be as natural as possible. And oh yeah, if it goes in your mouth, it should be delicious. Like what a crazy idea. So these were the sort of touchstones. These were the, the like tentpole items that for me were really critical beyond, oh yeah, let's call it hello. That'll be really great. It would just be a really cute branding exercise. Oh, that guy really likes packaging and design. What a what a you know clever idea. He trademarked the word hello. That was not the idea. The idea was to really make products that really worked, were as natural as we could make them, and delicious, and that literally like were a bright spot in your day. Like taking something that was mundane and chore like, and making it fun and delicious and absolutely effective. Like there are enough things to worry about in life. You shouldn't have to worry about what you're putting in your mouth when you're brushing your teeth or rinsing your mouth with a, with a mouthwash. Like we have bigger, bigger fish to fry. And, you know, I, I just felt nothing was um, addressing these other emotional states or needs. So why not go create it? So here it That's is. Wonderful. It's hello. Yeah. Very, yeah. very lucky. Yeah, it's awesome team, team, team. That's team. good. I've had some of your products and they truly are delicious. And, Thank and you. I think th- th- this sounds weird because I feel like all toothpaste should have this attribute, but your toothpaste feel fresh, which you would think if anything else is minty, that would be minty fresh. But something about your toothpaste just tastes fresh. I don't know how else to say it. So that's, it's, it's refreshing. There, there's not thank a whole lot of other words to use. That's awesome. Well, I, well, thank you. Yeah, we're very particular, you know, we don't have any artificial sweeteners. We use xylitol from non-GMO corn. We're even careful about where and how we source our xylitol because we didn't want xylitol from anything that was genetically modified. So um, we know who's growing our stevia sustainably. Our boxes, even the boxes that we use are literally they're FSC certified paper. So we're not killing more trees to make the box. We print with soy-based inks and I'm holding a tube in my hand as we speak because it just feels really good. But but I'm also holding it to remind myself that the way the tube was designed, it's a custom tube. It looks like a normal tube, but it's a custom configuration. And there's a special EVOH barrier layer that's sandwiched between the, the various layers in this tube. And because of what that enables uh, to happen, 
we have in, in, in our fluoride free pace, because fluoride acts as sort of a, a natural kind of preservative. Um, but in our, in our fluoride toothpaste, there are no preservatives in our fluoride free toothpaste. There's a tiny, tiny, tiny bit because we only use natural flavors. We don't have any synthetic dyes. Um, it's real mint and spearmint and peppermint. Like I said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out in the fields helping, you know, drive the tractor and pick it. Not, not all the time, but you know, when I can, it's amazing. Right. So yeah, right. it should be fresh. And um, the other fun thing about these tubes is I like to say we're saving marriages or, or relationships um, because the, the tubes retain their shape. So you won't get like a crinkly, nasty, uh, you know, fugly looking tube. Uh, and people yell at each other like, oh, you squeeze from the wrong end of the tube. Like who knew there was a wrong end of the tube? So oh, absolutely. We've, uh, we've stopped there all is. that. There is. Clearly. And uh, that was something when we first <laughs> got married. My wife's, yeah, my wife's a dentist. And when we first got married and Hello was not yet out, uh, we, we did have a discussion once or twice about how to squeeze the toothpaste tube. <laughs> um, I won't say who was squeezing it wrong, but I can tell you there's a wrong place to squeeze it. So. Absolutely. I've learned these lessons. There are also uh, incorrect ways of loading the dishwasher. Um, there are many things. I've done many things you know, wrong. But um, now, hopefully, once and for all, the which end of the tube is the proper tube to squeeze from, that argument can, can be put to rest. So you know your next, your next assignment needs to be figuring out which way the toilet paper roll goes. Is it over or I under? Th- I think we all know. I think we know. Well, I think it, there are some people that are contrarian you know, and they just like to mess with people. But I think we know. <laughs> well, you know, if you look at the patent, that's all I've got to say. The original patent was over. So I think over is the correct way, not under. I would concur. But for those contrarians out there, for those wild, you know, toilet tissue anarchists that want to, you know, make a statement, I, I applaud them. I think, you know, you do what <laughs> makes you happy. You, you, you do go. you. Well, I hate to interrupt this exciting conversation, but this is actually part one of a special two-part episode with Craig Dubitsky and I. I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation tomorrow as we discuss a little bit more about why Americans started brushing their teeth and how marketing actually influenced the toothpaste industry and the toothbrushing habits of the world. Here's a sneak peek of what you can expect on tomorrow's episode. Next week on the Dental Experience Podcast. Wow, you've dug in deep. We believe in a brusher's right to choose. So He decided to get a sheep's tibia and drill holes in it. And my cell phone, people are like, you give out your cell phone? I'm like, all the time. New Pepsodent. Get with it, kids. So next time you're, you know, in New York City and you're hailing a cab, go for the van if you can. Be sure to subscribe online so you don't miss tomorrow's episode or any upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening to the Dental Experience Podcast. For show notes, to ask a question, or for more information, visit www.thedentalpodcast.com. The ideas discussed during this episode are the opinions of the participants and do not serve as legal, financial, or clinical advice. Until next time, this is the Dental Experience Podcast.